0: hello and welcome to the pastoral thoughts podcast this is your host jack young today we have gabe gonzalez and gabe is a very dear member him and his wife and his two daughters of lighthouse bible baptist church and he is launching out this fall and he is starting a church plant and i believe this episode will be a special blessing uh, to the folks of LBBC, but then also to pastors that might be listening that are interested in starting a church out of your church. And then also, church planners, um, perhaps some of you gentlemen out there, maybe having have in the back of your mind or in your heart, uh, and you got the God might have been working on you for years. Um, and to start a church, maybe, and you, perhaps, and so we're going to talk about, we talked to Gabe about some practical things, about how uh, the Lord has worked in his heart to start the New Testament Baptist Church, and he's getting that started in the town of Ronna near us, and so, Gabe, welcome to the podcast.
1: Well, thanks, Pastor. I, um, yeah, it's just an honor to, to be here. Uh, it's, I was thinking about some of the other guys you've had on this podcast, and I can't, I'm finding it hard to fit myself in that list, but I do appreciate the opportunity Amen. Well, to talk about something that's on my heart.
0: And you're a man of God, and God uh, yes. has, has uh, spoken to you and, yes, and put, put in your heart something to do for him. And this, um, this is something very exciting for the life of our church and the life of our ministry, the birth of another church. And I don't really think as a church there's very much more in the life of a church that's more exciting than starting another church.
1: Yes, I, yeah, and, and to think about our, the 35th anniversary just passed, Mm -hmm. and I, that I had really no, I didn't have any conscious thought that this was going to coincide with the 35th anniversary of Lighthouse Bible Baptist Church, and then just reflecting on that, kind of even, um, was like, wow, the Lord's really doing something here, um, just with the timing of everything Amen. as well.
0: And I'm sure you're humbled by it, and I'm humbled by it. And, uh, I mean, the Lord is in control of all of it. And uh, the, the amazing thing is Lord uses old sinners like us yeah. uh, to get his job done here on uh, the earth.
1: Yeah, and, uh, you know, the, the hard part is just losing control and mm-hmm. just allowing and just going along for the ride of it while just going through the doors that he opens and...
0: And from my perspective, of course, your perspective. Um, I mean, you you are in, um, you're in the cockpit. You're in the driver's seat. Mm. I am not. But uh, to me, it seems like the Lord has opened doors and the skids have been greased, and we've been just guiding guided into this um, launch this fall.
1: Yeah. So when we first started talking about um, what the Lord has put in my heart to start a church, and this is going on. Um, two and a half years ago, probably mm-hmm. now, and um, the it just seemed as everything that has happened in my life up to this point has prepared me for a moment like we like we've had and uh, in our initial conversations. I'm like, I don't know if this is really what the Lord wants me to do, but would you be okay with me just trying to find out if this is what the Lord wants us to do as a church and as a, me as a individual and us as a church? and uh you are you are very gracious and and just um, saying yeah that's exactly um let us just to see what God does and us you know
0: amen and with and with you um you know I'm 100% supportive but at the same time I I um, definitely didn't push you mm-hmm. into starting a church just for the sake of our own glory or sin- and you know I didn't want to talk you into it I never had to i mean no, it was no. definitely you just going for it?
1: No, it was um, it was definitely a um, as far as what from my perspective on your part is was just a check on am I going too fast rather than not needing a push to go further. Mm-hmm. It was more of is this the right time for our church to do this? Right, and um, and is this God's timing really? Mm-hmm. And so uh, ultimately, that's. So the folks for
0: for the folks who don't know you at all, just give a little background so they can get a feel for you and and just uh, just you know background of what when you were saved and the whole nine yards how God's worked in your life.
1: So yeah, not to make it too long, uh, but uh, obviously testimonies can go on for hours. But um, but I was uh, born and raised here in Rochester, New York, to uh, parents that came from Puerto Rico and. They uh, their marriage didn't last very long, but I was, and I only mentioned that because my father went to a Bible-believing independent Baptist church, and my mother went to an independent Baptist church. So in that way, I was very unique in having pair, pair uh, two parents uh, that both had an interest in me hearing the gospel every weekend. Mm-hmm. And so no matter where I was or who I was with, I was still getting the gospel. And that was obviously plays an instrumental part in a young boy's life. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and so I had a lot of fears about, you know, dying. I would get saved every day, every night before I went to bed, Mm -hmm. but then I really needed, uh, it really just stuck with me after one Sunday school lesson. And, um, so I stayed after the Sunday school lesson at Calvary Bible Baptist church and, uh, Lillian Simpson, the pastor's wife, uh, after everybody had gone, led me to the Lord, and at that point, I really had a just an assurance that um, I didn't need to get saved anymore. Mm-hmm. And I was how old were you then? I was eight years old. Eight years old, nineteen eighty-six. So, um, and immediately, there was a need for me to tell other people about Jesus Christ. I can remember that morning. Emptying out the church track rack and going to the apartment complex where I lived, and in between Sunday morning, Sunday evening services, going to every door of all the buildings and putting tracks under everybody's door.
0: And you were told by the the churches that you went to, they were sewing churches, so you knew once you got saved, I'm supposed to be a sewer. Right. And um, and so you you grew up in these churches. Then, then teenagers, you had some struggles, and then you came yes. back, got right with the Lord what age?
1: At 26 years old, uh, my mother had obviously been praying for me for a long time, but uh, it got particularly bad towards, you know, during that time. And there was a man starting a church out of uh, Calvary Bible Baptist Church. He was starting a church on the west side of the city. And a very dynamic man, a very a man who had come from a rough background, and my mom had asked me to go to see to go hear him preach four weeks for four weeks, and she would never uh, bother me again. And so I agreed, knowing that I was really at the end of my rope here. Mm-hmm. And so I went, and by the second week, I had uh, submitted my life to the Lord. Uh, no matter the consequences of that decision, I was going to serve Him. And uh, immediately after that, I uh, really believe the Lord had called me to preach. I, I actually think it was probably when I was a kid, sure, uh, but I never answered it at that point. But that
0: was your surrender
1: to well, that the was, call. That was my surrender to it. And I then
0: and it was an introduction to church planning at the same time because you were a start you were. Uh, a part of a church
1: plant. That's right. So um, immediately I was, um, the Lord had brought church planting into my life. And uh, so while I was going to school here, at, not in this building, but at Lighthouse Bible Baptist, uh, being trained by Pastor Gugino, I was also um, involved in a new church plant. And uh, then tragically, that pastor Pat died suddenly one year to the day that I had started going, mm. and um, so at that time, you know, this is this is how I got into leadership. Okay, there were four guys that were solid Christians that have been Christians for a long time who were who made up the leadership after our pastor passed away, you know, what are we going to do? So here's the four guys that are solid Christians. And then they looked at me, said, we need a tie-breaking vote. <laughs> if there's a, there should be a tie, we need somebody to break the tie. Mm-hmm. Hey, Gabe, why don't you come join us and, uh, and in these meetings and things like that? And so that was my introduction to church leadership. Yeah, And um, at that point, I was just zealous and just and, learning and, and, and all and that. And
0: with just four people... And you making it five, it was a really big deal, yeah, for you. And your it was, heart and soul you, was into that, um, that small church.
1: It, it really was. The, the, the pastor that we had was very motivational when it, when it came to loving the Lord and giving a hundred percent of all that you have to Him, and He really galvanized. This small group of believers, mm-hmm. and we were just set on fire. And what was his name? His name was Pastor Tom Gonzalez. So, Pastor
0: Tom, and how old was he when he passed? You tell me. Was he was
1: forty-five.
0: So here's a young guy. He only he only um, he's only the pastor of this church plant for one year. Correct. And can you make a difference? Starting a church and only planting it for one year. Yeah, there, and there you're, are and no you're, failures and in your in your your proof that he was not uh, that one year of church planning is a success. That's because he made a difference in yeah, your life. There's
1: no doubt about it that you reach. Uh, you know, you just set, you just want to be the person that reaches the person that can go further, right? And uh, and that's that, that, was him. that was him. so he
0: he started that fire in your life and you've, you've been a part of some other, um, church plans here in Rochester. Um, but you, but this, this is, this one coming up is different. Wouldn't you say?
1: Yeah, this is a a bit different because I'm going out as a pastor. Mm -hmm. Uh, and you know, it's every church plan is unique and uh, each one is, uh, you're giving birth to another child. That child's unique. The personality is unique. And, uh, so this one is also different in the fact of, of the experiences that I've had before. So mm. it, you, you are a conglomeration of everything that has happened before. Right. So I'm going in with more wide open eyes. Uh, and
0: you have all these mentors, sure. Pastor Tom being one of them, yes. um, that are you're not doing it alone. They're, they're in a sense going with you right. into this church plant. And you're taking that yeah. wisdom. You're 42 years old. Correct. those listing I don't know how old you are right. um, and so 42 years old starting a church plant uh, so brother Gabe is is from the town of Rochester and um, his has uh, is a layman he's been is working a full-time job will work a full-time job through this church plant uh, he's he's gonna be able to maintain the house that he's at and he's got uh, a wife and and two young children and he's gonna be he's gonna be a family man. He's gonna be working a full time job and starting a church all at the same time.
1: Yeah, I guess I didn't have enough responsibility, so I had <laughs> to add some. To say, hey, why not start a church?
0: <laughs> so, so uh, we'll, we'll get into so we'll get into some practical aspects, and I really think, and I'm excited about this. I think it'll be a blessing. We really mm-hmm. um, Gabe and I are a couple knuckle draggers. We're not geniuses, or we're we're not uh, uh, inventing some. We're not uh, inventing or reinventing the wheel, but I think what we're planning on doing is a wheel that yeah. somebody else could um, could copy and I'm excited about how the Lord led uh, he and I we, we looked at uh, one other building that didn't work out United yeah. United Methodist or something like this the, uh,
1: Church of Christ
0: Church of Christ and um, and talked about different places to rent. Uh, But then him and I both came up with the same idea. I had watched on YouTube um, something about the Seventh-day Adventist Church, Mm -hmm. and the guy on there mentioned that they rent their buildings a lot of times to Protestants, which we're not Protestants, we're Baptists, (laughs) but (laughs) but he was talking about Baptists as well. And I, I called Gabe like the day of or the next day something like that and he said well you know i've been thinking about that too that's weird that you would say uh rent from a seventh day adventist church and you had one in mind
1: uh yeah i had looked up you know seventh day adventist churches uh i had called you know probably a dozen or more churches that was going to be my first uh, try and to find and see if there's a place that we could meet uh, the, where we could start a church. And um, so I had looked up Seventh-day Adventist churches, and there was one in uh, one of the areas that I was looking at to plant. And it's kind of out of the way. It's kind of hidden. And so I I didn't call it at first. Cause, um, and at also at that time, the United Church of Christ was interested in having us in uh which was a very it's a very prominent location. Mm-hmm. It's right in the middle of the town. Everybody knows where it is. And I was excited about the prospect of starting something there. Um but there are some there were some cons in working with that particular denomination. And um
0: They're very, very liberal. Yes. Extremely very and b- uh you know so they have a rainbow flag hanging out front yeah. and things. And of course you could non associate with that, but you but they also do meet on Sundays, which you'd have to meet on Sunday afternoon instead right. of sunday morning and um and then you never know what they're gonna what you're gonna get into on Sunday if they're going to be having some uh yeah some uh, weird event sure. that you know your people would have to deal with. Uh, and so there was some downsides. We did look at the building. We thought, well, it is a very prominent location. Across the street from the House of Guitars, a very a landmark thing here in uh, the town of Rochester. But there was definitely some downsides.
1: Yeah, yeah. So it wasn't necessarily ideal, but, ideal, but I was uh, excited about the prospect. But then uh, we had a conversation after you brought that up that, well, you know, these days with the phones and Google Maps, And everything like that, that is, you know, location isn't necessarily uh, the number, isn't as prominent as it used to be. Mm -hmm. High visibility Mm -hmm. anyway. I mean, location is still a thing.
0: Because it's not like you could have a huge sign out front saying New Testament Baptist Church. You couldn't have that in front of that particular building.
1: Right. So a permanent sign isn't, wasn't where there's a lot of traffic isn't as important. And if anybody wants to find out where you are, it's very easy to find that. Yes, and so I, I said, "Well, let me give him a call." And and from the first phone call with the pastor, uh, there was a there was a, a very much a willingness to want to see this happen, mm-hmm. and um, and we prayed together and on the phone, and he was very receptive to the vision that I have of planting this church, and um, you know he understood the whole concept. I mean, it's not a competition. It's more, I mean, yes, we want, we want solid Bible believing Bible preaching churches. Uh, but just as a matter of statistics, uh, if every, (laughs) if every church in this whole county was filled to the brim, there would still be a need for more churches. Yeah, absolutely. Yes. And he understood that. And, um, and very much wanted to see us come in.
0: So the nice thing about Seventh-day Adventist churches is that they are empty on Sunday because they worship on Saturday. Correct. And so we won't get into that particular denomination and their, their particular beliefs, which they um, believe quite differently um, yeah. than, than we do. But the building is a very nice building, and there's lots of potential there. And that particular building that uh, Gabe is running, they have they have a big sanctuary. Then they have a, a uh, basketball court and everything else. But what Gabe needs is just a room, nursery, and access to bathrooms. And they do have a nice, big, functional room that you could probably sit, I would say, 50 people in there yeah, comfortably. Yeah, pretty easy, yeah. And uh, and then they do have nursery right there, and then they do have bathrooms, and there's um, ability to have a le- little bit of food and fellowship there in that room.
1: Yes, so there's a versatile facility right there.
0: Right, and and so um, you can put your signage out there on Sunday, put a sandwich sign, you could put maybe something on the front door or whatever, and, and Gabe can stand out underneath the pavilion on Sunday – and welcome people in. He's the only one on the premises. He, quote unquote, owns a place on Sunday. Uh, And so we talked to them about rent, and we did have to wait a while to get back on rent, and it came out, it was
1: $480. $460.
0: $460. Okay, so $460. Um, when When I went up to First Baptist Church of Black River, right outside the gates of Fort Drum, there was a a building there and a parsonage, completely owned, but there was only two members, so I start with two girls. Um, but our bills for the property every month was far more than four hundred and sixty dollars yeah. a month. I mean, of course, it'd be wonderful to have your own building, but to only your bills only to be four hundred and sixty dollars a month is phenomenal. Um, tell what you t- tell um, tell the folks. What you were telling me before the podcast about how much a storefront generally costs.
1: Well, you know, when you're going to start a church and you're looking for a place, I think that's one of the biggest obstacles to starting a church. After you know the Lord wants you to do it's finding where are we going to do it. And so I began to look at different um, avenues of finding a place. And so there's some retail that is, so I started researching retail. And I started to find out, okay, how do they price it? And they price it differently. They price it per square foot per year. And you have to be mindful of that or what are the pitfalls of, of renting a storefront, things like that. And the recommendation for a church plant to start in a storefront is to have 4,000 square feet. And that's if you want a, a, a decent-sized auditorium and a, and some cl- a mm-hmm. classroom.
0: Because you need a nursery.
1: You need a nursery. And least. you
0: need bathrooms. And all that's factored into the square footage. All foot.
1: that is factored in. And so, you know, some of the places that I saw in our area in Irondequoit on Eastridge Road is some of them are $14 per square foot per year. So that would turn out to be, I don't know, like $1.20 a square foot per month
0: which right, is so, which for at least 4000 to $5,000. Four
1: dollars to $5,000 per month for a storefront.
0: Yes, and and, and and which is just an outrageous bill. So here you have a, a building to yourself, $460 a month. Uh, you're going to be the only one there on Sunday, greeting the folks as they come in, and um, you have a nice little facilities that you don't have have any utilities to pay for. The one thing that we did have to get, for the SDA was insurance, which about $50 more a month. Um, And so what, you know, so what the uh, bill is, is about $500, a little bit more than $500 a month to have a facilities to start a church in.
1: Yep. Just, yeah, that's for the facilities and you're going to have other things that you're going to need to pay for. But, um, but yeah, just so that you have a place that you know that you you, I mean that's huge. So, Knowing so that you're going to be the only people there. on yes. most Sundays anyway.
0: Yes, you know? I, I think it is yeah. amazing. I think it's wonderful, and it is um, it is a nice location as far as centrally people will be able to find that, and then it's got nice parking lot. It's got just a nice building, very very sufficient. And then you know what the cost is going to be. If yeah. something breaks down in the church, it's not your church. You're just a renter. They're paying for it. You're just paying for your rent. Right. right. And so to start a church for $500 a month for the building, uh, paying that bill um, is is wonderful. And it's wonderful for us as a church as we're, we're covering the majority of that cost out of our church and and the cost is not really that much for a, a church plant.
1: Yeah. No, it's, it's um, it, again, it's one of those things that we prayed about, and the Lord uh, was one of those things. Okay, is this the right time, Lord? And then they come back with a number that is exactly where we were thinking. Mm.
0: Um, and they got back to us in time.
1: In time. Because uh, right,
0: right. we wanted to start in the fall. Now, why did we want to start in the fall? Well, there's really...
1: You know, two times a year that would probably be um, conducive to starting a church, and that's right around people are getting into fall and they're starting uh, their new routines and they're getting their kids ready for school, uh, and the mindset changes from summer to fall. Mm -hmm. Or it's going to be after in our area up in the northeast, uh, it's going to be when the weather breaks and you're able to get out again and go uh, canvas and knock on doors and things like that in the springtime. Mm. And, but in the springtime, I think is even secondary to the fall, just because you are getting into that summertime where people aren't going to be thinking about church. They're thinking about going on vacation. And
0: that's what they say, whoever they are. And I've read the church manuals. Is it, is it uh, fall is the best, Spring is the second best. Winter is actually the third best. The fourth best is summer.
1: Yeah, yeah. Well, we all know about the summer slump, right? It so.
0: is. And it is a slump, uh, and so it definitely is. So we're starting in, the, starting in the fall. What are some of the startup materials and things that you needed to be aware of and that you needed to get?
1: Well, because of the uh, – well, not just because of the, the quick startup, but uh, just trying to keep it simple. I just wanted a gospel track that I could also use as a card – with my information to give other pastors or whoever wants to have one, uh, but also as a witnessing tool. But then for the main push before our open to have a door hanger. And so I, I just thought those two would be the essential things mm-hmm. instead of hitting, getting a variety of tracks or.
0: or right. So he's got you know. two main brochures. Right. They look very nice. And, you know, I'm definitely believing your printed materials should be well done Oh yeah, and it also should be unique to you um you know do generic tracks or whatever and stamp your name on the back but i think the primary track ought to be first class have your your face or your family's picture on it or your location and it should be unique to you and then um so you got tracks you got then you need some you need some hymn books to start up for for the fall
1: yes so the, we for- get did we get those yet well for for that, uh, what I did is I had a, a friend of mine who has uh, he's got 10 hymn books at his house and he was willing to donate them. So I just bought 10 on, out of my own pocket um, to match that so that we have 20 hymn books when we start. Um, him, you know, having I think as I, as we get along, I'll probably research different hymn books and then you know, make that a project for us to get, a, get the hymn book that we choose or things like that. But it's kind of um, you have to be an opportunist and take what's given mm-hmm. in the beginning uh, just so that you're not spending a whole lot of money you're trying to keep yeah. it. And
0: at the same time with hymn books, you, I think um, getting new like you've done is also a wise thing as yeah. well. Because if people come for the first time and it's your first Sunday and you've got the beat up hymn book that people yeah. replaced by buying new hymn books, that here we'll give these ones that are falling to pieces to a church planner, right? Which sometimes happens.
1: It, it does, and and um and the, this friend of mine, I mean, he's had them in his home. They have not; they're not being used, and they haven't been for a long time. So they're new. They're yeah, they're like new, and uh. And so that's why I said yes to it. Usually, like, if if somebody called me up and said, hey, we'll give you our old hymn books, I might be a little more skeptical about it just because you got you got rid of them because they were not good. <laughs> yes, <laughs> so, yes. So you, you replaced so, them because so, they weren't So good. you
0: probably, if you're a church planner, you probably want to get new hymn books. Just that's be right. fresh and crisp and uh, new to your church. And then also you've got a website, which in our day and age, you don't yeah. exist unless you have... A website
1: yeah and and a lot of a lot of people could could say well that's not an essential but uh, you're not living in the century if you say that in my opinion um, to, to
0: most people you're not legitimate if you they don't you don't have a place where they can go right. online
1: you you gotta have up somewhere where people can be introduced to you without meeting you because that's the society we live in the face-to-face contact even more so now after covid is is not the primary way people are going to get to know Mm -hmm. you they're going to get to know you through your website and through your electronic material or printed material before they ever see you and uh you want them to feel like they've already had a had an encounter with you
0: right and so with the website you're paying 45 dollars a month to have it hosted um the the host is dave salini and furtherance media and um so he does a first-class job. Now, you've got to provide Dave with the materials, and, and the materials are endless because you can have on your website, you can have an introduction, video, welcoming people, or telling them about the start. Um, if you have any sermons that you've done, you can have – now you can set up like, you know, we're, we're – I don't know why people want to watch two guys talking in an office, but a lot of people <laughs> choose to do that. Um, but you can have links to any media that you have. Um, you can have that on your website, um, and you can have a variety of things. You can have pay online, and I'm not—that's not something uh, I'm against either. Is right. a lot of people like to give online, and not it's sure. very easy to set up. It's very easy to do, uh, and so people before they check out your church, they are going to go to your website, right. and and they want to. Uh, See Gabe's picture. They want to also know what the church looks like, the outside of the building. They want they have to visualize themselves going into the into the building there. And
1: And, there's just we're we're living in a post Christian post modernism, and there's a lot of skepticism of Christianity, especially, and people are skeptical about somebody who says, "Hey, come." and listen to me talk about the Bible or talk about whatever it is, whatever subject you have, uh, often without any um, notoriety mm-hmm. or no qualifications mm-hmm. as far as the world would see it, uh, there's got to be a way for them to, to see that you are a legitimate person who has some experience that might have an answer for them.
0: And, and there's a lot of people, too, that will... Um Well, check out your website, and they might listen to you um, preach many times before they ever even enter into your building. Or if they come one time and they're not very, um, they don't have the culture of going to church, and you you might not see them again for months. They still might be tuning in, and it's amazing how many people you'll they'll tell you later that I oh you I've been watching your services, or this is yeah.
1: And we were even talking before before the podcast about how ministry in a post-COVID era uh, now we're forced to think that way uh, may not always translate to people in the seats, mm-hmm. and we we have to be looking for opportunities to minister to people that are uh, through electronic means. Or now we understand that the power of the church is in the gathering together. We're not discounting that, but there's got to be we got to find other ways. To reach people who normally would not hear, absolutely, and and it might be
0: yes, and so it might be the equivalent of, I mean, it doesn't replace, but it is another avenue to share the gospel to spread the seed is is by uh, the interwebs. I mean, all the different ways, whether it's um, uh, you know your your Facebook Live or your your church's YouTube channel or uh, the different downloads that you can have and reach out to people that way.
1: And yeah, so having an avenue to, to, to drive traffic to a website is, is I think is essential, which is why I, you know, we spent the money to do that.
0: Absolutely. And so I, w- I would definitely encourage anybody who is starting a church that you just must, it's a must to get a website and it's a must to get a very good website. And then also put a lot of work into, um, just bringing it up to snuff, making it first class and, and, um, realize that that is really your front door into your church and the era in which we live.
1: That's right. And it's really something you can just continue to improve upon too. So right. That, you know, you don't have to feel like it has to be all done. But
0: no. No. No, you don't, and, <laughs> but, and and I am not a tech guy. And fortunately, I, you know, I try to seek out tech people in our church and put them into key places. Um, but it, unfortunately, for us non techies, it is a necessity in this modern era. And I think uh, COVID has definitely sharpened a lot of churches in the um and the field or in that tech technology area. I, I know our church, for example, we were already. Um, streaming live and things but we really didn't pay attention to it at all but once that was a primary avenue for our church people when we were shut down for a couple months uh, we really paid attention to it and we tried to maintain that attention to it and uh, not let it uh, die down in the back burner so yeah so that was very important and uh, anything else you need when you're starting a church you need a pulpit don't you
1: uh, yep, yeah, uh, you know, I thought about, you know, I do want my own pulpit, you know, there's, you know, every preacher's got their pulpit mm-hmm. and, you know, it's something that I do want to have, but I also am in a place that has pulpits already, and so i just trying to not get too far ahead of myself, trying to, try to, try to be patient, trying to be patient. Uh, I'm just going to use the pulpit that they have there in the room. Mm-hmm. It is, for me, the only real um, must. It must be made out of wood. I'm just, I have to have a wood pulpit. <laughs> sure, the so. feel of it. <laughs>
0: so. I know, I understand. I love, I love nice pulpit as right. well. That's very important. And then you had a good idea uh, as far as, because you're you're in a rented facility, right. you're in a room that is kind of bland. It's a very nice room, but to kind of set it off as, hey, this is where our church meets. You had an idea of putting banners behind you inside of that room.
1: Yeah, correct. Yeah, the, I, I, you know, it, when you are in a, a room where everything is flat, there's no there's no platform. Um, and you also have to think about what we're doing, right? We're lifting up the word of God, we're lifting up Jesus Christ, and we want him to be the focus and him to be exalted. And so there's needs to be a focal point where um, people's attention are drawn to where uh, he's being exalted from the pulpit and from the front of the room. And so I, I've i seen other guys that have started churches in similar ways, and, and there's they've gotten portable banners to put up behind them and they'll say different words or whatever that they have as their motto or whatever it is Uh, and i I just found that is very much uh, something that needs to happen when you're not in a traditional room a church building a church auditorium that's already made to it, it's built second. with the focus. You know? Yes,
0: and it's kind of like your church logo, and um, gives you a, a source of identity, and then also yes, yeah, sets off the place where you're going to be speaking from. Um, but yeah, um, ph- philosophically, let me let me let me ask you this question. Um, in our era, we see a lot of churches inside of a city, and they'll start other churches, that, or they'll start other um, sites, and they call them um, satellites. They're ca- satellites, they're a campus church, and um, and so we have churches across Rochester that have, I don't know how many campuses. I mean, it's like yeah. an octopus, you know, just uh, tentacles all over the place. Uh, how come we are not um, starting LBBC or campus?
1: Well, I mean... There's a lot of reasons why. One, it's not biblical, but... <laughs> Thank you. Uh, but, but two, if you're looking for a you know, philosophical or practical thing, I think when you start, when you try to start satellite campuses, I think you really choke off the idea pipeline or the, and the flexibility of a leader in that other ministry. Mm-hmm. It's, so no matter who the mother church is... Um, Your whatever you send out of that will never really live up to the original. Sure, it's never going to be exactly the same. And so, when you are when you're going with that that model, that particular model, you're choking off what could potentially be something uh, much it could go much further than if you were just keeping it under your umbrella. You know what, I mean? you yes, what I'm yes, saying?
0: Yes, absolutely. So. And, and the thing is is um, I don't have anything that you don't have. I'm not the Correct. pope. I'm not the archbishop. Uh, you have the Holy Spirit, and you have the same word of God that I do. And then we see that uh, each church has its own DNA, and as people come and God gifts those church, that gives that a congregation their shepherd and their pastor. Uh, there's the autonomy that we find right. all throughout Scripture, right? And uh, there, there was autonomous churches throughout the New Testament, and that's what uh, you know that what's that's what was done in the Book of Acts as people uh, Paul and Barnabas missionary journeys would go out and they're starting churches uh, in different areas.
1: Yeah, and there's a difference between, you know, a satellite campus and and a church being a surrogate like Lighthouse is for me. And, and, and I'm and, going out and tec- under the umbrella.
0: And technically, but. too, um, I mean, Gabe is our missions director here. He knows I'm not a control freak. I'm, I always say, well, what do you think? You know, okay, well, yeah, let's do that. Um, and, and you know, nine times out of ten, I'm just telling him to go with his idea. <laughs> Uh, and so he wasn't that nervous that I was going to control him over at the Rondecoit campus, which we're not calling it that. Uh, but what he's doing is when we're going under until he gets his 501c3 is that he will have a church bank account, but it's actually underneath our church. And to such a time, he's got 501c3, he's got constitution, he's going to have um, you know his trustees and everything else and become autonomous at that point. Uh, so we'll be like a surrogate. Or he will be. How does that work? You will be the surrogate. I will to be me. the surrogate <laughs> to you. We we will be the surrogate to you, uh, and and but we're we're planning on you know as soon as possible he's going to be yeah. his own autonomous church, and um, there's strength in a multiplicity of churches. That's what people don't understand. Right. Right. Why can't all these Christians get along? Well, we do get along, and the closer we are to the book, the closer we are to the Bible closer we are to Lord Jesus Christ, the the more like each other we will be, and the closer fellowship we can have, but we're all separate uh, church families, Mm -hmm. just like you have your own autonomous family, you have your wife, you have your children, I have my wife, I have my children, and as um, we're a Christian family, you're a Christian family, there's a lot of similarities.
1: Sure, sure, and we we both have the same biblical instructions on how to raise a family, but Mm -hmm. Uh, but how we apply them personally to our individual children. Your wife's going to have
0: different needs. There's going to be exactly. a lot of similarities, but right. different needs of my wife, and then right. the same thing with my children. I'm gonna. I have different children than you do. I mean, they're we're all human children, but there's different personalities, there's different Correct. dynamics, there's different DNA in each and every church.
1: Yeah, and that goes to the to the point of of starting autonomous churches and 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 allowing them to be who they are. And allowing that leader to take it in a direction where the Lord is leading him um, isn't always going to be how the Lord is leading you to lead this ministry. And so having that separation is important. And I think when you start satellite ministries, I think you're really, um, you're trying to control the look of it, the feel of it. The you're trying to build a, king, a kingdom,
0: yeah. which we have here, the Bible says, no continuing city, but one to come. And as you have a, you know, um, somebody said, you know, the Lord must love small churches because he has so many of them. And um, really, I think that um, most of God's work gets done in, um, in churches of, 75 churches of 50 churches where there's just a, a pastor who knows his sheep, knows his people and yeah. um and is hands on um in in the ministry.
1: Yeah, well, let me just mention that part of it. it is really scary to me going now going into a pastorate is that being a pastor of of a a church that has satellites Like how I'm going to be responsible for those people that I've never even met before, you know, because they're under my church, under my pastorate. Mm -hmm. And I just think, man, that's a scary thought that I have this group of people over there in this other part of town that I've never met, but yet I'm their pastor. I, I don't understand how that translates uh, yes you
0: know. yeah and you you'll you know you see in titus as he's uh as he sent the crete he's supposed to ordain elders in every city and so that's a small island uh and but every little it was probably every little um you know every village or over the next town over the next hill there was another congregation there and they were supposed to have their own elders that would uh watch over and care and tend for that specific flock and then also for the folks listening uh gabe is his church is going how far how many miles not
1: oh i think from here i think it about be about six miles seven miles maybe so
0: so probably some guys so six miles guys listening to this um, so probably a lot of guys would think, man, that is nuts. That is crazy. How come that's not crazy?
1: Well, because there's uh, 750,000 people <laughs> in our county. Right. And there are large gaps of people that have no real gospel witness, solid gospel witness. And uh, and so and it, it's also across the bay, which uh, there's the, a bay that intersects the, the that goes in between Arundakoid and Webster, and
0: and it is a different community yeah, over there.
1: It's it's and I did a lot of my even though I was a member here in Webster, I did a lot of my evangelism, you know, when I could out knocking doors out in Arundakoid. And one of the biggest barriers to try to get people to come here was uh, as soon as I would say where it was, uh, there was just this mental barrier of going across the bridge.
0: They're driving out to Webster, driving, driving out, out to, to the, the suburbs. And, um, and game God has put it in your heart to be more towards the urban areas of the city of Rochester. the yep.
1: uh, Irondequoit is more densely populated, and it is uh, more accessible to the city proper than, than Webster is. And so to start a ministry out of Webster to reach into the city is not very practical, Mm-mm. and um, so having a church that's very close by to the city line to reach into some of these neighborhoods that are, are that are hurting bad, really bad. Uh, Rochester is one of the poorest cities in the nation, and the suburbs are some of the richest in the nation. Mm-hmm. And so, just to give you an idea, if you're not from this area, um, you know it's it's a, there's a very great disparity between suburbs and city, but it'll be strategically positioned where we are to reach right in um and as as soon as we and
0: and, and so where gabe is going to be now we went out canvassing we had a what we call a super saturday we had about 30 people out um it was, last, it was last saturday, last was, saturday yeah. yeah so last saturday and now the area that myself and my kids were at we did some multi-million dollar homes And they're only within a few minutes of Gabe's church. But at the same time, within a few minutes of Gabe's church, there are um, high rises. And so you go from the richest all the way to the poorest. He's right on the edge where um, people in the city would come to it. Uh, But people that live in the multi million dollar homes would not be scared or feel endangered to come. To your church location,
1: yeah, correct. I I did uh, at one point start a church in the inner city uh, on Lyle Avenue in the city, and you know while it's it's great work, if if you're not fully supported, if you're trying to do a bivocational and and start out not in not have to spend two three years raising support, um it's very difficult because of the amount of time you have to spend with people and the amount of time that it takes to get um, enough people there to be self-supporting. You may never get there in that context Mm -hmm. Uh, because uh, the, the, the people that have, you know, it's kind of feels kind of strange to say it, but the people that have a more stable work or more stable life that live out in the suburbs aren't going to come into your church unless they're already saved and already have a burden for the people there. Um, And if you are going to reach just the people in that neighborhood, you're going to have a a whole group of people that need intense, intense counseling and time and it's, um, and they don't have any money. So you're having, so if you're ever going to be self-supporting, it's, it's just going to take a very, very long time. It's going to be very, very discouraging. Mm -hmm. Um, you have to be. A, you have to almost be a missionary, being fully supported to go in full time in that context. So if you, so and you have when, to find somewhere And a, in your church uh, would al- always be like a mission. If you were
0: just right in the inner city, yeah,
1: you would always, you would always be a mission. You know, you you won't ever be, um, not ever. I can't say that, but it would take. It would take a lot. It, it would take yes, ab- it yeah, a lot. absolutely.
0: Yeah, uh, absolutely. And so, um, so brother Gabe is kind of right, right there on the edge. Let me let me ask you this. So, there's um, let's say there's some a guy out there. He's listening to this. Uh, he thinks he doesn't know for sure if it's him or a crazy idea, but he's thinking about starting a church. And he might be in a situation like you, where he's been uh, uh, just a faithful member of a local New Testament church. Uh, he's known the Lord for years. God's putting different um, men in his pathway to train him, and he's thinking about starting a church. But he's thinking, you know, I work forty hours a week. Um, how in the world would I have a time to um, to start a church, to prepare sermons and preach? What do you think? You don't know necessarily, but what do you think your your schedule is going to be like?
1: Well, you know, obviously, time management is something that you have to have if you're going to be a bivocational church planter. Um, So I believe one of the reasons why the Lord has me where I'm at at my job is because there is a lot of, um, I'm not sitting at a desk and doing a task all the time. I have time to meditate. I have time to read. I have time to um, even do sermon prep and things like that while I'm working. So maximizing Mm-hmm. that time is important. And, um, let me ask you about, let
0: me I, ask you about, ser- let me ask you about sermon prep too, because, um, do you, you, you've, uh, you've done some preaching. Yeah. You think you got a bunch of sermons in the hopper ready to go?
1: Yeah. As soon as I, uh, knew for sure that this was going to happen, I've been, uh, I'll, I've always carried around a bunch of ideas. I'll just, if I, if, I'll wake up in the middle of the night or whatever something, or I, I a lot of times while you're preaching, <laughs> I'll, I'll I mean, get the fellas, Lord to put and a th- thought.
0: That's uh, that's how you know you're called to preach. If the preacher's up there preaching, you think I say it this way, or you know, it would be good to hear a sermon on. The, yeah, mean, or, I think maybe you might be called to preach if the, if your mind works yeah, that way. If, yeah, if if,
1: if you're uh, if you're coming up with three point outlines based <laughs> on your pastor's sermon or yeah. on a, on a text that he's in. Not even really talking about it, but you could see another sermon in that, right? And you know, yeah, you're probably called to preach, <laughs> but that. So I'll do that just quick in my phone, put an idea or. A, I thought, a thought. Oh, I
0: thought you were texting out there. You were texting <laughs> your, <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> yeah. so, or you're yeah. posting on Facebook or something.
1: Uh, no, it's, uh, but uh, so I've always carried around a list like that. So as soon as mm-hmm. I knew that this was going to happen, I started developing, you know, different outlines, and then as. I get as the Lord leads, and you know He's gonna. I'm I'm sure He's gonna draw from that well. And you're gonna uh, do a Sunday school
0: in a Sunday AM, correct? And then you're gonna do some sort of a midweek Bible study.
1: Yeah, as we get going, I you know right now I think about after I get uh, a good pace going preaching on Sundays, uh, then I'll I'll add a midweek. Probably sometime in October is what I'm thinking now. Yeah, doing something online midweek, and then uh, we'll see how it how it goes. Maybe I'll end. We'll end up uh, renting more time in a midweek and doing in person. Uh, so you know, just kind of taking it step by step. And um, so yeah, so I you know just trying not to get too far ahead of where the Lord has me. And I also know this is going to stretch me, no matter who you are, or yeah. how prepared you are. Uh, when you when you're doing this for the first time it, for the it's, and if, you're guy, if, yourself.
0: If, if guys are listening to this and you're thinking about starting a church in the next five years or <laughs> any anyway, if you ever get an opportunity to preach by the way, um take notes in a, such a fashion that uh, a year or five years from now you could look at those old notes and know what in the world you put in those notes. <laughs> so be kind to your future self, you preachers right. out there. Um, but you know, at the same time, yeah, be collecting every, every wise squirrel collects nuts, you know, <laughs> you pack, you are know, you're, you're storing up for the, the winter, the ant prepares for the winter. It says in Proverbs and, uh, she prepares her meat in the summer. So, but I, I would say for church planners, it's going to take you, uh, you know, at least if you're doing Sunday school, Sunday AM and, um, I mean, just for those two things, it can take you a solid five hours of studying. Sure, sure. At least that would it would take me minimum five hours. Yeah, that's if I'm cramming.
1: <laughs> well, and, well, so yeah, yeah I, have, I have a head start on. You know, I have a a, a well of. Uh, you know. Yeah outlines and things like that that I can draw from.
0: And at the same time, it's not like you can just uh, take a good outline and walk up to the pulpit and wax eloquent on it. just doesn't work no, that you're, way. No,
1: you're going to come across as not being prepared. And, you know, there there's, you know, and I do think sermon prep, there is a certain talent to it that um, that is it's a muscle that you exercise yeah. over time. And so yeah. you can, you know, I think it'll get a little... Uh, smoother as I, as I go along here. And, and, and that's what
0: and, I hope. And it always takes work. Excuse and, um, you know, water flows best d- downhill. So I start on Sunday's uh, sermon on Monday mm-hmm. and then work on it a little bit throughout the whole week. And then by Sunday, you're familiar. You've lived with that text the whole week. And yeah. it's a part of you and then it can be a part of your congregation. So so a lot of guys who are starting a church, I, I think that would be an overwhelming thing to think of man, you know, not only do I have to go out and canvas and door knock uh, to get people in the church, I'm gonna have to be ready to say something and that is a very public speaking is one of the biggest fears out
1: yeah. there. And and that is one of the things that gives me kind of uh, you know, I, I'm still not sure how I'm gonna do it. But uh, just knowing that this is what the Lord wants from me, that he's going to uh, lead me in that each week to have something to say and to be able to say it well. Yes. And, uh, you know, and so I'm trusting I'm trusting him. I know, Amen. I know practically, you know, okay, I'm going to, you know, I got a lunch hour here. Uh, you know, I have time in the van to, while I'm driving, to think about it, turn the radio off. Mm-hmm. And just because a lot of preparation for Sunday sermon, I would have is the meditation part of Absolutely. the of the text and and so, the, so if you, bring, your Bible if, you if you bring too.
0: your your a notebook and your Bible with you, right, and uh, think about it in the car and yeah. and um yeah you get a, a chance to, to study study throughout the week. So th- that's a big burden on a church planner's right. shoulders. Is that um that he because he's selling himself. You know, people are coming to hear him. Yeah. So he's got to be ready with food for the sheep. Right. On right. Sunday. Uh and, and first things first, you know, you're putting first things first. The one thing the pastor's gotta do is feed his sheep. And then um <laughs> secondly he's gotta go out and get the sheep.
1: Yeah, so so knocking doors and and just um Irrepla-
0: irreplaceable. You can't replace just going out there and cold calling. No, there's
1: a reason why politicians still do it.
0: We've got a congressman, Mark Johns. He's going to be here on September the 20th for Red, White, and Blue Sunday. Uh, and he's running a tight race. And I said, Hey, we're going to have a steak dinner with Gary Beikirk, uh after, and you're welcome to stay. Please stay. He said, No, I got to get out there. It's a tight campaign. I got to get out there and knock doors. And nothing beats it. You know what? Because it works. That's right. And it works more than he paying for ads. A face to face, and not that he doesn't have ads, but he has ads, but he's got to do that face to face meeting one person at a time.
1: Yeah, yeah. And you know, for for a church planner, you know, in the beginning, I'm really praying that the Lord touches some hearts and that uh, that burden can be spread. Uh, you know, out some. There is a man that goes to another church, uh, as a like minded church. Uh, who lives in decoit, Who has committed to? He's retired, so he just he's walking around hanging flyers right now as we speak. And huge, so I, huge answer to prayer for you. Huge answer to prayer for me, and just a huge blessing that I, it it makes makes you feel like this doesn't. It's not all on me. That there are guys out there that are going to um, do that. I'm going to be out there, but I'm also I'm also a father of a young family. And right, my girls don't understand why my papa's not home <laughs> right and so you know to try to uh, mitigate their uh, i don't want to neglect them either so mm-hmm. there's there's you know there's all these factors that you have to work on but right
0: uh, you know so a church planner you got to feed the sheep you got to go out and find the sheep correct and then also once you start getting sheep then the sheep that you're getting and they're going to start taking your time. So let me ask you this: for for those interested and and you know in church planning, uh, what, hypothetically, what do you think your
1: weekly schedule is going to look like? All right. Well, you know, Sunday morning I'm going to preach, so start with Sunday. Mm-hmm. So you know, I'll get up and, and do those things, and probably uh, and then Sunday evenings I'll be coming to church here, and so. You know, the, yeah, so I, like you said, Monday morning, I'll probably already have an idea of where I'm going, uh, I'll, I, at least by the end of Monday, I want to know where I'm going next Sunday, mm-hmm. and so then I'll, I'll probably spend an hour each day from that point on preparing the sermon. Thursdays is going to be my uh, main day, Thursday evening, that I go out and knock doors, Um I'm going to reserve Saturdays for my family and make sure I'm not neglecting them and we're doing things together. Amen. But if the, pro- if the opportunity does arise to where we've done what we've needed to do as a family, there's an hour in the evening to go and I'll go, and I'll knock some more doors. Mm-hmm. Um, but then, you know, I'd like to, ideally I'd like to have my sermon done on Friday and then, have that Saturday as a day off, family day, you know, yeah, family day, and then go around, go around again, yeah. And um, and as people come, and as like you said, they start taking your time, and there's a need for discipleship. There's a need for uh, for counsel, or you know how you know whatever it is, um, they need help moving or whatever. <laughs> that <There's all, laughs> right. All right. Stuff. Then you know we're gonna have to just you know Ad- adjust whatever, adjust to that. Yeah, uh, you know, but up, up until there's people, you know, you just kind of just go with, and you got to be satisfied with the work, not with the what you know with, you know, I have to be satisfied in the work that I'm putting into the sermons and into mm-hmm. the door knocking, and at first it's going to have to be your satisfaction because in, you're not going to necessarily see it in the congregation all every no. week. So
0: yeah, we were we we were talking and uh, we did devotional last uh, Saturday. From Leviticus and it says in the fifth year you shall in the fifth year you shall eat the fruit thereof. And there's a principle in uh, pastoring that it takes you know, five years to start yeah. really reaping the benefits of your pastoral work and your pastoral ministry. And uh, and so you're trying to get you're trying to get a mindset, I know this. You're trying to get a mindset of you're seeing you're doing the long game.
1: That's right. I don't get into this um, thinking that you know you're gonna be your congregation. You're gonna be able to quit your job in a year. You know the, it's it's being satisfied with the work. The work has got to be mm-hmm. the thing that that motivates. Obviously, we're we're working because we've been saved and we want others to be saved. And we want, we know that the Lord has ordained church planting and door knocking and witnessing. That's why we're still here on this earth. So you you have your overall purpose that we all share as Christians, but as a church planter, uh, you got to have, uh, you've got to find encouragement in the amount, uh, and and the amount of time that you spent on your sermon. For instance, mm-hmm. I was able to spend the amount of time I wanted to spend on my sermon. That is a win. Right. There, I was able to go out for two hours and I knocked 50 doors and, um, that's a win. That's a win. Yeah. That, that's your encouragement. Not that anybody comes to church from that. Right. Not that anybody got saved or, or anything like that. It's, and success it's, it's, it's is the, it's in the the
0: obedience. It's not in results. Right. And, but obedience. if we're obedient, we do see results because there Correct. is the law of sowing and reaping. Yeah, there's the hope. Yeah, you yeah. have the hope that what you're doing is going to... And, you know. and just like this podcast, I do a podcast number one for myself the blessing I get from it. And the same thing with sermon preparation. If I don't enjoy right. what I'm getting from God's word, how is anyone else going to enjoy that? Uh, and then also out souling, I get to be obedient to the Lord Jesus Christ. I get to tell other people about the Lord Jesus Christ. I get to glorify God and magnify God by making him known. And if someone responds to that, praise the Lord. That's Amen. just the gravy on top.
1: Yeah, and and so so you some you know being in the next town, you know there are people that live in Aranaquite that do come to this church, and so you can may say, well, why do you need a church over there? Well, because there's only a certain geographical air, uh, a certain amount of geographical air area that a church can be affected. Absolutely. And H- so, how many people live in Aranaquite? There's fifty thousand in the entire town. Okay. Um, the in- east side of it, there's probably about twenty-two thousand that were well. Be yeah, right, major,
0: cl- right like. close by, and uh, in in Webster, we have just I think it's just shy of fifty.
1: Yeah, it's about you're about it. It's like high, 46, yeah.
0: So like 45 46 thousand and so there is many people, and we you know we have our hands full just trying to, um, stay at people's doors in Webster. Mm-hmm. And, I mean that's that's hard work just doing that.
1: Yeah, yeah, and and. Uh, I just want to touch on one other thing about your, uh, my personal devotional time. You mentioned what my schedule is going to be like, mm-hmm. and there's going to be that huge pull to make my sermon prep my personal devotional yeah, time. terrible. And that is a death knell to any preacher out there, prospective church planner Amen. out there. If, so uh, I will be making a huge adjustment in my, my routine. And in the morning, I'm going to have to get up early, to get my personal time with the Lord because what a, what a, the time that I usually do it in the afternoon is going to be my sermon prep time. And so there's going to be that huge temptation. Mm-hmm. And, 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 so, and
0: shepherds are told to take heed to thyself and correct. to the
1: doctrine, take heed to
0: thyself and to the flock. Um, and, and so... Good advice yeah. for to church And I have around
1: in uh, subjects there, but I just wanted to make sure I touched on that when it comes to the routine. Absolutely. You know, you I, I remember from separate. the time
0: I went to Bible college, I, you know, I had several people tell me, make sure you don't get backslidden in Bible college. You think about this is for Bible college, all you're doing is, is studying the Bible and uh, reading about the Bible, but you can get backslidden learning about God and not having a devotional time with him. And then also if you're a church planner, you can be preparing food for other people's souls, but not feeding your own soul. And there is a big danger in those things. That's good. And,
1: and yeah. And I think your sermon prep will go a lot better if you are in the word for yourself and that's, that's just going to feed you and it's going to make whatever you're going to say to some, to the people, Absolutely. It's going to make that come uh, much easier because you're going to make and the connections and yes, cross-references. Yeah, you
0: have yeah. to feed your own soul. Uh, you know, as the woman with an issue of blood touched Christ garments, and he said, uh, virtue has gone out of me. Um, boy, you know, on Monday morning, man, you can say, virtue has gone out of me, you know, or just dealing with some different people and you have to keep, feeding your own soul or you you'll find yourself in big trouble.
1: That's right. It is it is work. It is draining. I heard one preacher say uh that when you are up there preaching, you are suspending yourself between heaven and earth and just being in that position is gonna take uh it's gonna take it's gonna drain you. And oh so yeah. If, if you're not replacing that and it's a spiritual thing as well yes. as physical. Yes. But uh, if you're not replacing that, uh, you'll, you'll run out. Yeah. You'll run out. Amen.
0: Good, good advice. Well, let's end there. We spent over an hour, hour well, and five minutes talking about yeah. church planning and yeah. uh, wonderful a wonderful topic.
1: But, you know, every time we talk, it it ends up being an hour. (laughs) hour.
0: (laughs) So just it happens to be that this conversation is recorded. So thank you for uh, tuning in, everybody. Make sure that you uh, like and subscribe. You YouTubers out there, make sure that you uh, subscribe uh, and click the bell. And so every time we upload a video, you'll have notification of that. Where... What's your website? You know what your
1: website is? Uh, Our website is newtestamentbc.org. Newtestamentbc.org.
0: I will put the link into the show notes, and then, of course, you can visit us at pastorjack.org and subscribe to the blog there. Uh, But thanks for tuning in, everybody. God bless each and every one, and I know this was a blessing to you, and I hope you enjoyed it as much as I did.